Welcome into episode 25 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton and Lester Mitchell here with you tonight. Um, special guest Braden Spiller joining us. Uh, first time guest on the podcast. Um, kind of a, a, I guess you could say a mutual friend of, of mine and Lester's. He's, he's known Lester for a lot longer than I have. I've actually never met him in person, but uh, he plays fantasy basketball with us. Big sports guy. So, uh, Braden, we'll bring you in first, man. How you been doing? Tell us about yourself. I've been hanging in there, you know, just trying to take in as much sports as I can with the pandemic and just just trying to make it without uh, being able to go in person. I'm actually a grad student at UAB. Okay, yeah, good deal. Um, Did you do your undergrad there too as well? I did not. I went to a uh, small school in Mississippi called Mississippi College for undergrad. Okay, good deal. And uh, so, yeah, he's a he's a blazer. And um, you're from Demopolis, around where Lester is, right? That's right. All right, good deal. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, like I said, big, big Bama fan Braden is. And uh, he was able to watch the Vanderbilt game, watch the baseball games this weekend against McNeese. And um, so uh, Lester, let's just let's just jump right into this Vanderbilt game. Alabama beats Vanderbilt 82-78. Another, I guess you can say it wasn't lackluster performance. I think I think 80 is the magic number for Alabama. I think Alabama's 15 and 0 once they score 80 points. So Alabama got to their magic number. Problem is you get up 78 against Vanderbilt. It's one of the worst basketball teams in the country this year. They're dead last in the SEC, 6-12 and 12 overall. So, Lester, tell me about this performance. I know you said you weren't able to see it. Um, you were actually being a moving buddy for somebody. So, just after re-watching it or watching highlights, tell me what you collected from this effort from the Crimson Tide on Saturday. Well, uh, it's kind of funny because – we went into the uh, live or die by the three argument and whatever last week. And this week, I feel like both of our points were being made. Um, like you said, like you're going to say later on, um, Alabama had a lackluster, a well below average um, shooting performance from three. Um, I believe it was around 24, 25%. But they were still able to produce, play great defense, come out with really good intensity, and win the game, which is really, really important. Um, Alabama fans, I feel like we got spoiled in that stretch where the team was just white hot for, it seemed like, a month, and that's not going to happen on a consistent basis. So once again, this team played great defense. They found a way to grind it out, and they won the basketball game. Um, yeah, Vandy scores 28 when you when – you, when you, they score 78. When you play the style of basketball that Alabama plays, Alabama is going to have increased possessions. Therefore, the other team is going to have increased possessions too. And if they have somewhat of a good shooting night, they're going to stick with Alabama if Alabama does not produce on the three-point end. So, like I said, um, great win. Uh, this team, as they get forward to the tournament and the continue to go forward, they're going to, learn, they're going to have to grind out games against – teams now you don't want to have to grind up a game against the worst team in the SEC but it is what it is it was just one of those days and that was not a normal performance for this team so I'm not panicking yeah uh, Alabama I believe is a, a 16 point favorite going into this game Saturday against Vanderbilt Braden did you do you kind of agree with what Lester says I mean it was this a, a a case of you know Alabama just not making shots or do you think you know me personally I think there's a little bit of uh just an overlooked factor when I mean, they hadn't played all week that their midweek game against Texas A&M got postponed or canceled. They really haven't decided what they're going to do with it yet, but you know, they, they started the seniors, uh, Tyler Barnes started and uh, you know, it, they, they 
played this game as senior day, I guess just in case the Auburn game gets canceled or they forfeit because Sharif decides to sit out or whatever it is. So uh, went ahead and then senior day against Vanderbilt and, and almost got beat. So what what was the reason for this uh, this close game with the last place team in the SEC? Well, I mean, first of all, you got to give Vandy credit because, I mean, they do have two um, NBA caliber players in Scottie Pippen Jr. and DeSue. Like, I mean, those are two hard guards, especially with the injuries we've had at the big man position. And they were just – they were moving the ball really well. And, I mean, Alabama was getting their shots on the offensive side of the ball. Like, they their shot quality was like – it was 92% like shot quality compared to Vandy's like 73, I believe. And so, like, the shots were there. They just weren't falling. You know, sometimes it happens as, for a shooting team. But the difference, like uh, y'all have talked about, the difference is, I mean, this is the number one defensive efficiency team in the country. So, they're able to do that. Because, I mean, they were 15 of 20 from the uh, layups and dunks and 75% from the free throw line. So, those kind of numbers are just going to happen if you shoot 25% from the uh, arc like we did. Yeah, and, and, and you know – Referring to that point about the arc, you know, we, we talked last week. We know when we went over the article that Jason Jordan from Sports Illustrated put out about, you know, Alabama's not a live and die by the three. But then throughout the whole article, you can point to certain quotes and statements that, you know, directly relate to a team living and dying by the three. And, and to me, this is a, another case um, that – you know, I mean, Alabama takes 39 three-point shots. Uh, you know, they're averaging 30 on the year. They only make 10 of them. And, you know, like Lester was talking about, because of the pace that they're playing, um, Vanderbilt's also going to get a lot of possessions. So you can also have points ratchet up against you, even though your points per possession may be really good. You know, you can still give up points in the high 70s. And, um, and if you're not knocking down the three, is that is – that, um, is that something you agree with, or do you, do you kind of agree with the article to where Alabama can do things other than make, that they don't have to rely on the three-pointer in order to win games? I mean, I do think that – so being a Rockets fan definitely pulls into this because the Rockets with the Mike D'Antoni offense are very shot, happy, lived and died by the three. But this team has a different feel than that because they are such a threat from three, it opens up lanes to drive. And, I mean, we have some pretty good finishers, not initially prototype uh, slashers like y'all talked about last week. Shackford is by no means a uh, prototypical run past you and dunk it. But we have some crafty players who are able to uh, finish at the rim. And I think that's what opens up the the threes so much. And so not not hitting threes, yes, will affect the game. But I think they can win without it because of the ability of slashers like Herb when he's healthy and JQ – um, when he's playing well and within his means that we are able to, that Alabama is able to win without the three. I think, I think that it's like the article, I sent a lesson article about the gravity. It pulls the players out because we are a quote, live and die by the three team, which gives us those open layups. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree with that. I read that article as well. And, um, and, and I think that's, that's a good thing whenever you're pulling guys out because the guys that are able to get to the rack, like Herb, and uh, see, in my opinion, I believe that's the only one we have that, you know, consistently can get to the bucket. You know, you've got Shaq who makes plays. Petty can make plays off the dribble. Q can, you know, sometimes go by people. And, um, 
and he has good finishing ability. But Herb is the one that seems like he can do it on a consistent basis. So really it's a drive and dish game that, with Herb. But I think Shat did a good job on Saturday of really working off the bat door. I know he came – he you know, that gravity that you're talking about when they were pulling guys out to the three-point line – and Shaq did shoot nine threes. He only made one of them, but you still have to respect it because, you know, he can get hot at any moment throughout the game. And uh, so I think he did a really good job of setting up his guy and working off some backdoor cuts and, and just kind of finding the, finding the holes and finding the gaps. And, um, and, and, and so with that being said, this, this game on, on Saturday, and, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to sweat this game because – this is a first place team versus a last place team. It's senior day. There's a lot of attention on, you know, Tyler Barnes and they were really hyped before the game, but they weren't hyped on the game. If that makes sense, they're really hyped, you know, with their teammates, with their seniors starting and everything. And, and Vandy started the game out hot. Bound was in a two, three zone. Pippen made a couple of threes. Um, and, and so I'm not really going to sit here and, and worry about this one too much because, you know, we've all played ball. We understand that when you're the one of the if, if you've ever been, if you ever had the luxury of being on a really good team and you're playing a really bad team, you don't pay much attention to them. I mean, it is what it is. When Alabama football is watching film on Western Carolina, it's completely different than watching film on Ohio State. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And so I'm sure there wasn't a lot of preparation for this game. Um and uh, and so, but yeah, like I said, I'm not going to sweat it. But if they're playing anybody else in the SEC on Saturday, they probably probably lose, and that includes Texas A&M and South Carolina. And uh, and so, how concerning is it with? I don't want to say inconsistency of the team because you know, they've scored over the last three games, they've scored 80 in all three of them, but then had that one 15 point, just barrage against Georgia. Um, but against South Carolina, who's like, I think five and 11 and Vandy who's six and 12, they're, they're two of the bottom teams in the sec. Alabama squeaked out three and four point wins. So are, are you, are you worried about not necessarily down the stretch, but once you get in the sec tournament and more importantly, the NCAA tournament, kind of the inconsistency shooting wise of Alabama kind of lead into an early departure in the NCAA tournament? Um, no, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Um, a lot of the struggles in the past couple of games that you've mentioned, Jordan Bruner has been out. Um, you guys were talking about that gravity. Well, with Jordan Bruner back in the game and in the rotation, he's another gravitational piece that's going to pull guys out and allow for those slashers to get to the rim. Look, before Jordan Bruder went down, well, first of all, I think he's really he's, – he's probably the – man, I'm not going to say the second most important person behind her, but he's a damn important person to this team. You have a, your center who can shoot the three, who can bring guys out of the paint, who can rebound. I mean, that was severely missing, severely lacking, especially when you play bigger teams. I mean – he was just sorely missed because Alabama had to play small. We had teams that can dictate the pace and who had big guys that can dominate in the paint. That's going to continue to bring issues. So um, I'll be interested to see how these next three games go to finish up the season. Um, Arkansas is a huge matchup tomorrow night, but I just hope Bruner is better. He's healthy and he's able to give a pretty good effort because he didn't play that well against uh, Vandy. 
Yeah, uh, Lester, you know, we talked about this a little bit pre-show. Is 19 minutes too much for him? I mean, the guy hadn't played since January, um, early January. And uh, and so, you know, he's missed six to eight weeks or whatever with the meniscus. Um, is 19 minutes too much? I mean, I know he's been practicing. I'm not worried, you know, about that. But, the, I mean, I, I, you would think that somebody being out for that long, especially with – in a stretch to where you're more than likely going to win the SEC regular season championship. Would you have liked to see him play eight to 10 minutes instead of 19? Or are you okay with the load that he was given in his first game back? Um, no, if he would have played 25 minutes, I would have, I would have been okay with it. Um, the weird thing about the Brunner situation is um, I guess the presser before the night before the game, um, Oates came out and said that Brunner had suffered setback. Maybe I misread it or, overlooked something, but I was not anticipating him coming back and playing, let alone starting. Um, I guess I think it was Bill texted and said that Bruner's starting. And I'm looking like, what the heck? Like, seriously? After I just read the Oats quote from last night. But if, you know, the staff, the medical staff and Oats trust him to come back and start the game, play. I mean, he's going to have to come back and get game speed somehow. So, let it ride, let it ride. But no, definitely don't let them play 35 minutes a game. But you know, 20, 25, maybe 30. It's fine with me. Yeah, I think for me in, in that situation, it's a it's a, a situational thing. If you want him to start the game and play, you know, the first four or five and then give him a 10-minute break and then play the last four or five before halftime and then maybe start the first five or six in the second half. I think, you know, but I was, I was telling you this pre-show also last year, me, you know, uh, Bill Holman been a guest on the, on the podcast. He, he, he went, he went to the game with me and my family and, and it was a minute and 33 seconds left in the game, not in the first half in the game. And, and Bruno went up for a layup and then took contact and like fell to the floor. And um, he actually made one of the free throws so that would, that's, that was actually his only point. But I told Bill, I said, man, I said, if he goes down there and rolls that knee up and it's done for the season, you know, in a, in a close game with the last place SEC team with a minute and a half to go in the game, I said, "Whoo!" I said, "I don't, I don't, I don't know how how I feel about that." So, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad he made it through, and, and I hope he continues to to build up because, like you were talking about, he's a huge factor. I mean, he doesn't have to score 15 or 20 points in order to make a difference, and that's because of the fact we've been talking about for weeks is it's because of who he's replacing whenever he's on the floor. You know, you get Alex Reese and James Rojas off the court, which that in itself is a huge win because Alex Reese, after four years and, you know, over 100 college basketball games played, the guy still can't find it from deep. I mean, teams are playing him like they played Jimmy Taylor, you know, back in the day when he gets the ball at the top of the key and they're playing him on the block down there. Like, shoot it, big man, because I know you're not going to hit it. And the worst thing that can happen to Alex Reese is that he hits one of his first two because then he's got a green light trigger for the rest of the game. He's going to end up two for six or two for seven or worse. And uh, me and Bill caught it. I believe he hit his first of the game. We're like, oh, crap, here we go. And uh, and, and, and sure enough. But uh, just Bruner, his his basketball IQ with as smart as he is, I think that, that, that that's a big factor in his game, his positioning, um, his rebounding ability. And then um, one thing I noticed during the game on Saturday was the way he can pass out of the fast break. He made two or three passes. Once he got the rebound, didn't even take a dribble and just shot the ball down court 
And that's something that Alex Reese and James Rojas just simply don't have the ability to do. And uh, so, yeah, um, Braden, just talk about Jordan Bruner a little bit about what he brings to the table offensively, defensively, um, leadership, whatever it is. And um, talk about how important it is to have him back playing. I mean, seeing him on the court was great because there's an immediate size difference between him, Rojas, and Alex Reese. Because, I mean, like, I give it to Alex Reese and Rojas. Rojas fights for every single rebound. He's dumb on offense. But Alex Reese has gotten his freshman shot 30-plus percent from three, and he's just gotten worse. But I'll give it to him. He's played some really good defense. He's really good at going straight up. But rebounding was huge with um, Bruner back in there. And then, like you said, his passing ability, like he was throwing some chest passes full court on the fast break. And like you said, the IQ, I mean, being a, you have to be pretty smart to go to Yale. And you can see that on the court when he's he pump fakes, drives down the paint, kicks it around to uh, Quinterly in the corner. I mean, he made some plays that he doesn't usually. And like his defense, his on-ball defense, like I said, Alex Reese does a good job going straight up, but he doesn't have the – width and like the reach of Bruner and you could just see it like the switches and his ability I watched some film of the defensive switching and um, Bruner just does a great job of like hedging screens and getting over the top and just kind of stalling the offense that we don't have whenever Reese and um, Rojas are in there yeah it's definitely definitely a uh, an advantage for Alabama whenever he's on the floor and yeah, you, you just you just hope he stays healthy, and you hope he doesn't have a setback like Oates is talking about. I, I don't know if maybe Oates just misspoke, or I, I don't understand if he just wasn't trying to give an edge. But I mean, it was like Lester said, it was like the Friday before the game, so I mean, it's not like they can change a whole game plan for one guy. But yeah, because Lester actually sent that to me, and then I, I me and me and Bill actually got texts while we were in the game that uh that Bruner was starting we're like I must be I must be false or whatever and then sure enough there's number two and I actually forgot what number he was he hadn't played for so long I was like who was that and uh sure enough yeah it was it was Jordan Bruner so yeah let's just let's hope that he uh that he's able to stay healthy and and you know ramp up his minutes and and he's able to be a big piece for Alabama in both of their tournaments that they had to play let's talk a little bit about this Arkansas game Lester, I guess, will release his podcast on Wednesday. So the Arkansas game tonight, 8 o'clock tip. Um, Arkansas is hot. They haven't lost a game since the uh, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> you look at some of these scores, they, they kick the hell out of Mississippi State. I believe everybody else is doing the same thing. Uh, they beat Kentucky by one, beat Missouri by six or by five in overtime beat Florida by 11. So, I mean, they are, they're, they're getting the job done. They're winning games, probably the hottest team in the sec right now, right now, Moses Moody is playing out of his mind. He's probably going to be a top 10 pick um, him and Cameron Thomas, probably the top two freshmen in the sec. I put them over Sharif Cooper just because their ability to shoot off the dribble. Um, so Lester, tell me, t- break down this, this Arkansas game for me tomorrow and tell me who you think wins it. Well, this is a huge freaking game. Alabama is favored by one, but geez, guys, what 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 scares me the most about this game is they score more points to Bama. Bama is slightly better defensively. They score more points per game. Um, Bama slightly better defensively, based on the numbers. But they got a guy, a white dude named Connor, who's about seven three. They got another dude that's about six ten. 
named Jalen Williams, and those two guys are nasty. This is why having Bruner back is such a big deal because now you're facing against a bigger team, but we got our big guy back now too. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this game goes. Um, this will be a really, really important pace game for Bama with those two big guys on the floor, get up, run, 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 run. Do not let Arkansas dictate the pace of this game. And I think Bama does that sometimes. They'll let the other team dictate the pace, whether it be by hook or by crook. Somehow Bama ends up playing slow, plays the other team's pace, and that cannot happen with this game with Moody and let them get out on the floor and set up with those two big guys. You cannot let that happen. Alabama has to run. You got Bruner back. Get Bruner involved early and often. And you got to hope that these guys, that Bama and Shaq and Primo and Petty, and those guys, look, after going one for nine, one for eight, one for seven, you should be pissed off and look for something to prove for the next game. And I hope that Bama does that tonight because they got something to prove. Arkansas is a good team. They're ranked 20th in the nation for a reason. So this will be should be a pretty good game, and I hope the team, or, team comes ready and they're up for it. Braden, you, you look at this team right now. We all know Herb's situation. He's banged up. He's not getting any better. But it looks like Nate Oates is going to roll with him and, uh, you know, play him in as, a limited, as much of a limited capacity as he can. Um, Herb, you know, I think he fouled out Saturday for like the third time in the last four or five games. Um, and, and so we, we know Herb's an aggressive defensive player, but he usually does a pretty good job of staying out of – foul trouble until maybe late in the game or whatever it is. But um, maybe that's affecting his ability to move. I'm not sure. And elevate. I'm not sure what it is. But you got him banged up. Jawan Geary allegedly practiced yesterday. Um, probably not going to play in this Arkansas game. But um, Jordan Bruner is back. When you're NATO, so you're like, okay, we can win this game, and then we can clinch the SEC, and then we can coast. Do you look at it that way, or do you look at it as – you know, we can win the SEC. We don't have to win this game in order to clinch the regular season. We can win two out of the next three or whatever it is. Um, so if you're if you're Nate Oates with these guys banged up, are you more aggressive with the way that you play your rotations in, in this game? Or do you kind of, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and try to keep them in a limited capacity? Well, I mean – like you said, Herb's not getting any better, and I don't think he's going to get any worse, especially with that huge pad he wears on the back of his behind. And, I mean, yes, foul trouble is, I think, is probably is an inability to move as well as maybe some frustration. But I honestly would just keep it going because, like, the hottest teams aren't the teams that coast into their conference tournament. The teams that do best in the NCAA tournaments are the ones who are just, like, firing on all cylinders. And like you said, we haven't been hitting shots. I mean, last game the ball moved really well. But, like, we got to find the shots, and we got to get hot again. So, if we have another stretch like we did at the beginning of the SEC play, like, we could win it all. And so, I think this game is important because that one seed would be huge. And I don't know, Baylor was losing a little while ago. They may have won, but Illinois was getting smacked by Michigan State. I'm pretty sure they lost. So, there's an opening to get into a number one seed, which would make the road a lot easier because then you wouldn't run into, like, be in the Gonzaga region and it may give you some leniency in these next games to kind of pull off if you have that big Q1 win and so I probably would keep it going because uh, 
Bruner's knee isn't going to hurt. I mean, like Saban said, like they play in two to three weeks, two to four weeks. So like, he's probably good. He just may not be back in game conditioning. And that may be why they held him out. And then Herb, like I said, I think honestly, we're a lot of times we're recently when he's playing very foully, we've been just as good uh, when he's off the court as, as he has been when he's on. And so I think, Personally, I would just keep on going because this would be a huge win in Bud Walton. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I kind of agree with you. I think that if you got a chance to go ahead and get it done, um, and, I mean, yeah, because it, it's better to to win against these top teams, you know, because everybody talks about, you know, the Oklahoma game, whatever, it was good to lose and in the winning streak, whatever. I was like, yeah, but if you're going to lose, lose against a bad team because that's a lot more easier to explain. You know, we, we weren't high. We were – overlooking them we were we didn't focus we didn't prepare rather than you know going on the road in a in a, a nationally televised game and playing somebody from another conference kind of like a tournament game if you want to look at it and, and then losing especially when they were down their top two scores or whatever you know so you definitely want to win this game so I think I'd probably be a little bit more aggressive you know you're looking at anywhere from 25 to 28 minutes maybe from from Bruner and then just let Herb go you know as long as he can stay out of foul trouble just let him play as much as he wants to and hope that hope that Petty can find some kind of consistency and uh, Shackleford can start knocking him down from outside. And yeah, I think, I think Bama has a good chance. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. I mean, guys, how crazy is it? Lester, how crazy. And, and I know um, Braden, I have not, I don't know this about you, but I know Lester is been a Bama fan for, I guess about 10, 10 years, maybe. Just, just a decade. Um, he didn't really grow up in an Alabama family, so he didn't have anybody to guide him. I wish I'd have found him when we were about five years old. So uh, so he could have suffered through some of the bad times with us in football and basketball. And, uh, and, and so, Lester, how crazy is it that we're sitting here? And I know you, weren't, you didn't really follow Alabama basketball in the early 2000s when they had the Elite Eight run. And, you know, I think they said that number six is their highest ranking this late in the season since like 2002. And those days are long gone. We haven't been anything close to that since 2004. And, uh, and so how crazy is it sitting here, you know, with a basketball team being this dominant in SEC play? <laughs> I'm pretty aware of uh, Alabama hoops, but it is, it is wild. So, okay, we'll go back to – um, I guess my freshman college, we'll start at 10 years. Um, like I was telling you guys um, a couple while, a while ago, I used to walk from Lakeside, East or West, from my dorm all the way to Coleman Coliseum to go to basketball games. If you're some, anyone familiar with campus, that's a hall. Um, I love basketball. Uh, it's just awesome from going from Musa Gay and T. Rella was pretty fun to watch, and Redna Basahan, so we got Primo and Petty, and these guys are playing lights out. Ever since I've met Chase, the biggest thing I've wanted for Alabama to have is a dominant big man in the paint. Shaquille O'Neal is my favorite basketball player, and there's nothing better than having a dominant big man. And we got somebody who's halfway competent, um, Jimmy (laughs) – not Jimmy Taylor, oh, gosh, no. But Dante Hall was also to watch, and then Bruner – Golly, you got a big man who can come out and drop some threes if need be. But it is awesome to watch, man. It's it's really, really fun. It's enjoyable. Um, it's, pay, it's paying off. I've always told uh, my friends, like Chase and Bill, I'm like, if Alabama's ever good enough to do some damage in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament, 
I'm going to go, and here we are there now, and everything's shut down. You can't get in anywhere. I think the the I think this Ibla tournament is going to have about a 25% capacity, so that's uh, six is going to be sky high as usual. But it's pretty it's pretty pretty fun to watch. Um, I know from all of my friends, and we dedicate ourselves to going and watching crappy basketball for years, just because you know we love Alabama, we love basketball. But it is awesome to fully continue to support a program that's playing some damn good basketball right now, and with a great coach who just got extended. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great time for Alabama basketball. As soon as Chase gives me the word, we're gonna get some sledgehammers and. Not down Coleman, but I'm waiting on Greg Byrne to hit my phone up. He hadn't done it yet. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna renovate it, and uh, you know, let's hope Nate Oates continues to recruit at the level he's been recruiting at. But uh, yeah, you know, a, a lot of people think might listen to this podcast and listen to me in particular because you know I don't I don't think I'm negative. I just I call it like I see it. I try to be as realistic as possible because you know, if you're, if you've ever followed any type of college basketball, you understand that it is so, it's one of the hardest things to do. One of the hardest things to do in sports is win a college basketball NCAA championship and probably win a world series in baseball. They're both very, very difficult. So whenever your team has a chance to do that, you have to, you know, you have to appreciate it. And like, and like I said, for weeks, you know, you want your healthiest team playing their best ball in early March. That's the key that it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but once you get to the tournament, it doesn't matter how you played in December or January or even February. What matters is that early March when the calendar flips to March and you got your last regular season game and then your conference tournament. I mean, how, how you play then determines how you are going to play in the NCAA tournament. A team has never started the year hot and then, you know, just got put out first round in their conference tournament or whatever, and then going on to win the national championship. I mean, it's always those teams that are playing great basketball and have a lot of confidence in what they're doing, have a lot of confidence in each other and their coaches and their schemes and their game plans. And they're just, then of course, you know, they're knocking down shots. They're lucky as well. So it takes a little bit of everything. So don't think that we're not appreciating this run because we are. Braden, I want to ask you the same thing. How crazy is it that Alabama basketball has been able to sustain this, this kind of success throughout a whole season? It's something we're not used to seeing at all. Yeah, it really is crazy. I did grow up, unlike Lester, who grew up a Florida fan, um, if, I'm, if I'm, I think so. Uh, this yeah, guy has no idea. He has no idea how to lose. He, 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 was, a, he was a Gator fan when they were winning – football national championships with Urban Meyer. Then he got to see Joakim Noah and Corey Brewer and all them, you know, win, win a, a basketball championship as well. So this guy – and then he, then he changed over to Alabama once Nick Saban got there. This guy's never – he's never lost in his life. Yeah, like my family's huge Alabama fans. My parents – I know all about old Alabama basketball, and that we love to talk about it, how good players like uh, Robert Ory and Ennis Watt – players – old players would, like, do on this team. And so – yeah, I've lived through the terrible years of early Anthony Grant years. Actually, I had ticket, season tickets in 2014 when we – probably our worst record in the 2000s. And it's just been – it's been great because I'm a huge basketball fan. love football, but basketball is my favorite sport. Um, and I remember one day – I think it was after the Tennessee game, I was driving home and I was talking to my parents about the game. And I was like, I was nearly brought to tears when we beat them in, in uh, at Tennessee because I was like, this is not something that you could experience very often with – being an Alabama fan, it is, it's really great. It really is. It's definitely, definitely been fun to watch. 
And, uh, you know, we just hope Alabama can have some, some, some kind of success, excuse me, in the SEC and NCAA tournament because we're not sitting here expecting them. You know, it's not Final Four bust. But, you know, when you put together a season this good and your team has shown so many flashes that they can be a great basketball team. I mean, they can be elite. We know about how good the the defense is. The defense is elite enough to win a national championship. I said that last week. But whenever you see the offense have certain games where they just are shooting 40, 50, 60% from deep and just are making everything that they throw up, it's it's just it gives you that much more reason to believe that if any team can get hot and beat a Gonzaga or a Baylor. It's a team filled with three-point shooters because, I mean, if you're going to live and die by the three, you might as well live by it and get to a Final Four and have a chance to win a national championship. But uh, let, let's slide over to the to the diamond real quick. Alabama baseball getting started this weekend against McNeese. They swept the series. Um, Connor Prelip starts the Friday game. They win 10-6. to six. He, gets his, he gets another win. He still has yet to lose. In college, he was, uh, I believe, five and zero last year, and one and zero this year. Um, so, you know, Saturday they had the walk off win. I was actually able to go to that game um, with Bill. Me and Bill were able to go to that game, and then Sunday, you know, winning nine to five, and then of course, you know, Tuesday night they beat Jack State on the road five to two. So, Lester, just talk about this this weekend. Um, I'm, I'm sure you didn't get to see a lot of the games or hear them. But uh, I'm sure you've seen the stats. Just talk about what this team was able to do and um, the expectations that you have for them this season after starting the weekend 3-0 and and then winning the uh, their first midweek game against Jack State, starting the season out 4-0. and Yeah, it's, it's always great to win. It's always great to sweep the team. Um, baseball is a hard sport to come in and dominate day in and day out. It's not football. It's not basketball. So losing the game is – Expected to a degree, but glad that they. I'm glad they started four and zero. But man, they've got to put the bats in the oven, or we're finally getting a little warmer weather here. They got to sit them outside or something, because teams like McNeese State. I know Chase texted me uh, Saturday. He's like, "I hope they're a College World Series team because the score was not pretty." Um, they actually needed to make a comeback in one of the, in the lat in the Sunday game, if I'm not mistaken, but. Yeah, the bats have got to wake up. They've got to wake up. They've got to get better. Um, it's early in the season. Um, one good thing though is there seems to be some serious pop in the lineup from Peyton Wilson. Um, Prater, he was out last year. Glad he's bounced back pretty pretty good so far. Um, Dio Dottie's got some big pop. Those guys are gonna have to carry this team because they don't seem like a team that's gonna win playing small ball. Um, and as far as the outlook for the rest of the season, uh Bama's a top 20 team, but so is the rest of the SEC. Uh, I think they projected last in the West. I think that's what Uh you told me. That's right. But it's going to be an uphill battle uh, this season. But it's going to be a wait-and-see approach for this team. No doubt they're going to be better, but this is the toughest conference in college baseball. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we talked about it last week. One uh, One of the toughest conferences ever. Um, and in, in any sport, the dominance, you know, when you've got 10, 12 teams ranked out of one conference, it's just absurd. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that about the pop 
And, um, and, you know, the timely hits were big for Alabama. They actually had to come back in the Saturday and Sunday game. But, uh, you know, through four games, you got four guys with two with two home runs. You got Peyton Wilson, uh, Sam Prater, Owen Diodotti, and Zane Denton, who homered Saturday and Sunday. And, um, you know, Drew Williamson added a, a Sunday homer as well. So you're talking about nine home runs through four games with this team. So they need to, they need to get guys on more. But the timely hitting and the power has been impressive. Uh, Braden, were you able to watch any baseball action this weekend? I didn't get to see any of it, but I listened to and kept up with some of the stats with uh, yeah, with uh. Okay, and- yeah, just give me a quick one, quick, quick rundown of what you saw this weekend, um, from this baseball team. Really, just what you expect this year. Well, being I'm a Dodgers fan, and so this is a the big the deep ball is really a a very frustrating way to live and die. And so I've seen firsthand how that can be a way to win a world series and a way to lose a world series, but the pitching is going to have to be a lot better if we're going to make it even make it past the regional round of the college world series. Besides prelip, the starters were giving up some early runs in the early innings and a lot of runners deep uh, in scoring position, which was concerning, but yeah, there's some pop. I mean, Diodati's a freshman. He just picked up right where he left off being a sophomore. And then Peyton Wilson, uh, I got the opportunity to see him in a high school play to Mopolis. Uh, I watched him hit a home run right-handed and then hit one left-handed later in the game. So I definitely expected that from him, but there is going to have to be more production from other parts of the lineup for this team to go far, as well as the pitching. I mean, you start off the game with prelip and then you have the Viper uh, finishing out Chase Lee, but there's going to have to be some building in between those two. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, the bullpen's also – who gave up basically all of the runs on Friday and then, you know, um, almost, you know, allowed McNeese to, to lead the game, score, score first and, and, you know, lead most of the game in the, in the Saturday game as well. Um, so yeah, Peyton Wilson. So you got to see him in high school. What's this dude like five, nine, one sixty, soaking wet. I mean, a little guy, just crazy pop. He's not very big. I didn't realize it. I just walked up to the game and I just watched one launch over the fence. He's very like unbecoming to be such a power here. Like he's nothing like Diodotti, who's built like a brick wall, but he, he can hit the ball for sure. Yeah, ain't no doubt. And uh yeah, Sam Prater, I believe, is one of the best catchers in the country. And he's not a big guy either. But yeah, then you got Diodotti stands at like six three, like two fifteen. He's just rocked up. And um so, yeah, um, definitely a, a good start for Alabama baseball. Um, Braden, you know, we, we might <clears> – <throat> once we get into the summer, uh, if we still continue to do the podcast, which I believe we are, um, Bill Holman is a big baseball guy. Me and Lester are big baseball guys, and you're one as well. So we might be bringing you back to talk some more baseball. I, You know, Lester's a big Braves guy. I like the Braves. are kind of my National League team. But um, I'm a Red Sox fan first, so we can talk about how – we had to spank you guys in 2018. Then we felt bad for you guys. You couldn't win a World Series. So we're like, we'll just give you Mookie. And then that, that'll put you all over the hump. So we'll talk about that next time we're on. Is that a deal? Sounds good. And we, appre- we really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I'm pretty sure that won't be the last one y'all win, trying to sign in Trevor Bauer and signing back Justin Turner. And the team's just loaded out there in L.A. But um, uh, we, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you uh, being a guest for us. Um, that, that's all we're going to get out of here. We'll, uh, we'll see you all next week. Episode 25, Jump Runners Podcast. We'll see you all next week.